Talk Money is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <coughs> For updates, further breakdowns, and past episodes of this podcast, sign up at thetalkmoney.com. If you enjoy our podcast, help us get the word out. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help us reach more ears. And now you can sign up for our newsletter, where we curate the best money topics of the week from across the internet. It's quick, informative, and most importantly, fun. Sign up at thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Hey everyone, Mesh here. Welcome back to the Talk Money Weekly, where we talk about current business events paired with our newsletter. Today's episode, NFTs take over NYC. So New York recently hosted the first major NFT conference, NFT NYC. The city was packed with NFT attendees for a full week. It had over 5,500 people show up from around the world. Everyone from NFT artists, NFT investors, NFT collectors, enthusiasts, community members, you name it. They were here in New York and it was hosted in Times Square. I had a few friends who were there and attending. They said it was crazy. The events People were meeting constantly in person for the first time really ever. A lot of this stuff exists online, right? So a lot of people know each other through Twitter and Discord and these forums, but they actually got to meet up in person for the first time in New York City. Apparently, the energy was crazy. And so I had to talk to my good friend, Phil Toronto, about it because Phil is my go-to NFT guy who's done a lot of crypto and NFT work with everyone from Gary Vaynerchuk to some of his own investments, including Coinbase. So I got the scoop from him. What happened at NFT NYC? So let's get started. Well, Phil, welcome back. It's an honor, as always. And a privilege. Uh, hey, man, the honor is all mine, and I'm happy to have you back to give us another breakdown on NFTs because I think since the last time we spoke, things have changed since then, and that was like three days ago. So about that, it seems yeah. to be a space, <laughs> a space that moves really, really quick. Okay, so New York recently hosted NFT Week, and it seemed to be all the craze. A lot of stuff that was happening. It was hosted in Times Square. I read a lot about it. I did not participate, but I had friends who were there. What was NFT NYC and what happened during that week? NFT NYC, and this is going to be probably an obnoxious mishmash of acronyms and everything, but NFT NYC was essentially the NFT South by Southwest centered all around our favorite digital collectibles and the technology of the moment that has been hiding in plain sight for a couple of years now. And so high level, what would be potentially some of these collectibles that people might recognize, maybe in the headlines or whatnot? The big ones definitely had a really big showing, especially the Board Ape Yacht Club. That had a ton of different events and they they being the the holders actually came out in a really, really, really strong number. I went for a run the day before NFT NYC technically kicked off. Also happened to be Halloween, but I was running around 8 a.m. on Sunday morning and there was already a line that was four blocks long of Board Ape Yacht Club holders for an event that was going to be held, I think, maybe at 4 p.m. that day, which absolutely blew my mind. And the energy off of that line kind of set the tone for the rest of the week. And 
it was pretty much just, I mean, everything from Board 8 Yacht Club to up and coming photographers that have just discovered NFTs for the first time, thinking about their collections. It was, it was a good mashup of folks. And, and so just like, you know, a few months ago or maybe six months ago, everyone was talking about CryptoPunks. Now it's Bored Ape Yacht Club. What exactly is Bored Ape Yacht Club and who, what are these holders or what exactly are they holding? Board Ape Yacht Club is this tsunami of community that rose up from energy around CryptoPunks. And I mean, 20 different people feel 20 different ways about Board Ape Yacht Club. But from my perspective, it kind of hit the perfect time coming off to CryptoPunks dropping their, I guess, technically their third project, MeBits, and what happened with MeBits was CryptoPunk holders were given a free MeBit. And that actually rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it was almost this attitude of the rich get richer and MeBits were minting at two and a half ETH. And at the time, I mean, that that was close to, that was above $10,000 in US dollar equivalent, I'd say. So if you didn't have a CryptoPunk, which arguably was already super expensive, I would say in the realm of $50,000 USD, you got this free $10,000 bonus and that was upsetting for some folks. And Board Ape Yacht Club came in as almost messaging around like for the normal person, for the rest of us, like here's Board Ape Yacht Club. It was a very cheap mint price. I think it was 0.08 ETH compared to two and a half for a MeBit or other projects. And the community just kind of ravenously gobbled them up and... It's just been a snowball of energy around the project. And so just quickly break down a few things. When you say MeBits, if CryptoPunks is a essentially a, a digital punk, there's multiple of them. Obviously, there's limited in quantity. They've now become expensive because this is around that whole concept of digital scarcity. There's only so many to go around. Everybody wants a piece. So if you own a CryptoPunk, you got a MeBit, which was what? Like another... Like what's a me? What does it look like? A me bit, and this is probably a good segue for another realm of our conversation. But a me bit is essentially a three D avatar, as opposed to a CryptoPunk, which is just a profile photo. It's more than just a profile, yada yada, yada whatever. But a me bit is essentially a three D rendered avatar that you will be able to use in the proverbial metaverse. Interesting. Essentially, a 3D avatar would be the equivalent of when we were, or I guess even on our Apple iPhone, we have that avatar of ourselves that we've created that we use for emojis and whatnot, where we get to create what we look like. And then one could even go back to the Nintendo Wii, where you would have an avatar of yourself, and that's who you would play with. That's exactly right, with the twist being that MeBits are set characters, very similar to a CryptoPunk or other projects where there's just levels of rarity, there's certain different traits like pigs and random one-off type things, but yeah. When you say minting, what does that mean? Does that mean that you launch it? When you acquire an NFT in the primary sale, like the first time they're being dropped, you are minting that NFT. It essentially just means you're claiming it on the blockchain. Well, you're taking ownership of it on the blockchain. And minting's essentially just you buying it first. Got it. So Board 8 Yacht Club makes this drop. They offer it for a certain 
price in this case, the currency being used is Ether, Ethereum. What was the early prices on Board 8? I believe the early price was 0.08 ETH, which was definitely on the lowest end of the spectrum in terms of any project that was launching in, in that hypey period. Well, any period now is a hypey period, but April 2021, early May, it was it was really cheap, in air quotes. Yeah, so like, you know, we're talking probably like cheap would be in this case a couple hundred bucks yeah, or something like that. And obviously if you mint it, let's say I'm the first one, I see this drop, I pay 0.08 or whatever ends up getting the bid goes up to because uh, they are technically like auctions, right? Like if a bunch of people are trying to get oh, it, no. the price goes up. No? No. It was it's straight up mint price was 0.08. So depending on how you minted them, I don't recall what the actual drop was or how they were actually minted. But usually the experience is you mint directly from the website or the more advanced users can mint directly from the smart contract. And the advantage usually to minting directly from the contract itself is you can mint more than one or a greater number than you normally can from the website itself by just interacting with the code. And so if you don't have like a technical background, you're at a disadvantage here, right? Is this like kind of the equivalent if someone is digging for gold and you don't have a pick and a shovel, good luck getting the gold. But if the other person has a pick and a shovel, you're going to be able to get it. And the case of pick and shovel means you understand how code works. You have some type of technical advantage. Once you know what you're doing, like you don't actually have to know any code. You just have to kind of understand how a contract's constructed and what certain commands are. So the actual technical knowledge is relatively low. It's just this foreign behavior that you probably have not done before. So let's make it a, another analogy. We are in a game show and there's 10 of us in there. The first one to solve a puzzle gets access to, in this case, the a board ape. Yep. Would that be somewhat similar? So like if you're just better at puzzles, you know, boom, 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 you win. And then another good analogy is maybe going the Wheel of Fortune route. The ability to essentially guess the entire puzzle is if you were interacting directly with a smart contract, whereas the normal rules would be guessing one letter at a time. Got it. Okay. So now moving back to Bored Ape, these Bored Apes get dropped. People love them. What is it that's different? Because technically, just like any of these things, the price ends up going up because of, you know, the community is really strong. The man- demand is there. People want it. It becomes a status thing. So doesn't Bored Ape just become the new CryptoPunks? Yeah, in a way, definitely. But in this case, they were just the new thing that was for the people. And then now more people got to, like, be a part of it, probably a bigger community. They come into New York going back to NFT NYC. There's a lot of stuff happening with Bored Ape, specifically around the community that they have, right? And like, if you own a Bored Ape, you get to be part of this community or people who don't own a Bored Ape, could they also be a part of it? You have to have a Bored Ape or a Bored Ape derivative to be a part of the community. Otherwise, you're, you're out of luck. You better, you better buy one. You're essentially a member of a club because you, you're a fan. I mean, it could be, I've got tickets to this Billie Eilish show. I bought a certain ticket that gets me access to VIP. 
I was part of the fan club, so I got on the email list ahead of time. I put my work in. I waited in line. I'm there now. You know, good luck to the rest of you. So it can be seen similar to like the community that fans create when it comes to bands or whatever the case. That's right. Yeah. Was one of the interesting things about NFT NYC, the balance of like, hey, these communities that exist online, but now you have this physical meets digital where in New York, you have all these people that are coming together and like hanging out with each other for maybe the first time. That's exactly right. Well, the biggest novelty I would say was this is likely the first time that a majority of all of these people have been together in person ever. What do you think the energy was like? What could you compare it to? Did it feel like, I remember I was at Token Summit in 2017. It was right before the crypto winter of 2018. And in 2017, it was all about ICOs. And I remember sitting in that auditorium being like, oh my God, this is the future. You could feel the excitement. You know, it wasn't a bunch of suits in the room. It was all the different, like, whether it was the folks who were building these projects and like all these people that were part of it, they were there. Did NFT NYC feel something similar to that? Yeah, it definitely, it captured the energy, I would say, of probably 2009, 2010, early technology when Web 2.0 was really starting to get some wind with the Facebooks and the Twitters. But if anything, I would say it felt like more excitement for a number of different reasons. It's going to be tough for me not to sound too preachy, but the energy that was surrounding it was really impressive. And it was just this attitude, I guess, that anybody on that spent time on Twitter will recognize it's like, wag me, we are going to make it. Well, speaking of what was exciting, what did you find exciting? A, it was nice to actually see some people that I've never met in person. I've only done stuff like this over video. That was exciting, obviously, on a human level. But the nature of interactions, I would say, surrounding NFT NYC, but also the Web3 industry as a whole, definitely is closer to collaborative than I've ever really experienced. So it's... The questions are, how can I help you? What do you need? And not not sharp elbows around like, well, I heard somebody else building that. So, I mean, you're probably going to fail. Or it's, it's a very positive community-oriented spin that just makes everything feel more promising where everyone's working to raise up everybody else, which I think is very rare. And did you see or hear about any use cases beyond just art? I mean, I know you've told us previously about what you think technology around NFTs and the innovation behind it could potentially provide in like real world scenarios. Did you see any of that there? Or are we still in this phase of, hey, you know, we have these digital collectibles. There's a lot of excitement around that, but we still haven't gotten to where we're going to go with all this. Near term, I would say still very heavily focused on art and just establishing a, a way for any type of artist, be them photographers, sculptors, digital artists, 3D artists, and the 27 different types that I didn't mention, having them have an actual actionable path to a business where they can primarily focus on their art in a a much more scalable and easy way, that was more than anything the, the most exciting part for anybody. It's almost just like, the number of times that you were in a room with an artist or a photographer saying like, 
I never thought this was a viable path for my career. Like I always thought that I would have to have a side job and the photography would be on the side until maybe I made it. And now NFTs and, and tokens and, and just this industry in general, it's giving them a path to make money doing what they love in a way that they never thought was possible yet. And what do you think were some of the wackier projects or weirder projects that you saw or heard of? The other aspect outside of the art in general was various instances of tooling or infrastructure and be that around creating NFTs, taxes, uh, for like recording your tax situation with NFTs, which is going to be a whole clusterfuck for a lack of a better word next year with all of these sales and who the hell knows what's going to happen, but also enabling DAOs to actually spin up in an easy way for them to operate. A lot of it was shifting more towards those types of projects as opposed to just straight up art or community projects. I mean, it seems like the space moves really, really quickly. Again, we just spoke a couple months ago and it already seems to be moving so fast. And in just general the entire Web3 crypto space is moving so fast. What do you think of that in general? And is it hard to keep up? Does it become overwhelming? And what do you make of it? Why is it moving so fast? Is that like a good thing? Or is it something where, you know, one would be a bit more concerned? I think overall, it is a good thing. Obviously, definitely frothy, I would say. There's a ton of cash grabs, very similar to the 2017 ICO boom, where things that are getting funded probably shouldn't have gotten funded and people are scamming other people. But unfortunately, like that's always going to happen. But the overall North Star of everything that's happening is seemingly positive. So I don't think it's a bad thing that this is going at such a excruciatingly fast pace. It's genuinely impossible to stay up on everything. There's not enough time in the day for you to even remotely understand everything that's happening, you kind of just have to identify what you're interested in or think you might be interested in and just pick your battles for the most part. Try and pay attention as best as you can on Twitter. Discord's really difficult to stay on top of, but I would say is the best glimpse into the communities of the space and newsletters, anywhere you can consume info, like the Talk Money newsletter, obviously, is a great place to be. Do you actually have some go-to stuff that you pay attention to that are curating the space really well? Yeah, definitely. Name us a few things that we should be reading or following. Disclosure, I'm an investor, but NFT Now is excellent just in terms of podcast content, newsletter content. Their site is building out really nicely, and they have done a really good job of becoming really tight authentically with a lot of the artists and project creators in the space. So they get the early jump and do a very good job around normalizing, I guess, that info for folks to consume and welcome them into the space. I do like the Bankless newsletter quite a bit. They cover everything from NFTs to tokens to anything and everything Web3, as long as it has to do with Ethereum, which is my only gripe. It's a little too Ethereum maxi sometimes, in my opinion, but they do a phenomenal job. And then another favorite digestible newsletter is called Cup of NFT. And it's kind of sent out sporadically. And if it isn't, I apologize to whoever created that. I hope you're not listening. But the content itself is is fantastic. And it's good digestible bits of 
the highlights of, of what's going on whenever they happen to send out that newsletter. Speaking of if you're too Ethereum heavy or not, are most of these projects that you're seeing, or at least during NFT NYC, are they mostly being built on Ethereum? A good chunk is still happening on Ethereum, but now attention's being paid to Solana and Tezos is starting to get a little bit more steam, which is awesome. And a lot of work is also starting to be done on layer twos of Ethereum, which are the scaling solutions of Ethereum. And I know in the past we've talked about how expensive it is to actually operate on Ethereum itself with the gas fees and the congestion. Layer twos are being built as assistance ramps for that congestion so that fees aren't as crazy. When you say layer two, does that simply mean if you had a road with two lanes and now you've added two more lanes and maybe like a freeway and a highway? Is it something similar like that? If someone was to think about what does that even mean? I would say it is the main road is unmodified. There is another road built alongside it with six lanes that has different exits. So you can always get back onto the main road. Interesting. So you can always make, like in this case with Ethereum, they have the ability to make it better and more efficient. But that said, some of these other ones that you've talked about, Tezos and Solana, are different blockchains. And would that be the equivalent of like, you know, just like we were building websites back in the day, you'd either do it in PHP or you'd be building in another language. At one point it was like ASP.net, then it was Ruby on Rails, and then it was... uh Python, and they're just different languages essentially to build something for a user to experience, but there's different advantages to each one and different roadblocks for each one. Is that the equivalent of how you see these different blockchains? That's exactly right. Well, yeah. Okay. So basically, you know, it seems like this is not a fad anymore. There could be fads within the NFT space, but NFTs as a whole has become its own thing, and there's going to be great things that happen from it. And obviously, to your point, scams and money grabs, but also things that you know might fall along the wayside. But overall, do you see this is something staying? This has got a lot of staying power. I definitely think that NFTs and every corresponding offshoot of them, they're here to stay at this point. And so for the new year, 2022, where do you think NFTs go? Any predictions or what do you hope to see that happens? I'm excited to see Layer 2s flourish a little bit because I think that will help onboard the next million to two million consumers. I'm excited to see innovations on wallets themselves to make all of this a little bit easier because if we walk through a step-by-step of actually buying something, it's still incredibly roundabout, I'd say, to put it nicely. And it's pretty much the equivalent of accessing the internet before Netscape Navigator was created, where you need to know the right sequence of commands to do it right. And even then, like shit's kind of broken sometimes. So I'm excited for the consumerization of NFTs to continue to get better and the user experience to get dramatically better. So there you have it. NFTs are not just a fad. They're here to stay. There's a lot of potential here. And I honestly felt like someone who was skeptical about this stuff. I eye rolled a little bit, but now I'm kind of 
I'm into it, man. I'm excited about it. I'm diving into the rabbit hole myself. I really love the energy and it's something that I think could be really interesting, not only for creators, but like just a bunch of stuff. And I think that the more we embrace it, the more we understand it, the more we will appreciate the potential of these things. So make sure you tune in to next week where we do part two of our conversation with Phil where Phil and I will discuss what the metaverse is, what Web3 is, and all the terminology surrounding it, because I know we're all a little overwhelmed and confused, and Phil is going to help us navigate through all this, teach us the terminology, and get us excited as well. So make sure you're signed up to the newsletter, thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Until next time.